You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is some of my best friends are capitalists. I'm here with Rav Nossen Glick out of Ashkelon, Eretz Yisrael. Uh, Rav Nossen, um, both of us, of course, uh, speak with who are searchers for spirituality, who perhaps get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, they've heard an idea from the Lavacher Rebbe here, and maybe somebody told them over a mimer from Rav Lutner over there. Um, Maybe someone told them the Yisod based on the Vilna Gon's principles that they saw in one of the Svarim that collect his ideas. And we know, Rav Nasa, as, as friends, in many ways, that a hodgepodge, a mix-and-match approach, and sometimes it's fun in a way, and it's eclectic and sort of interesting, but it's not necessarily... In fact, it's definitely not the recipe for true success in this world of Chochmah Sanister. Maybe not in, maybe even in any area of thought, but especially not here, right? You would agree with 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 my. I I would agree with that. Yes, I could I could add that you know perhaps a little bit is better than nothing. But if you really want to get serious about it, um, yes, you have to kind of follow one path well enough that you'll be at least have a concept of what its basic foundational principles are. And otherwise you will become quite confused at some point. Now, if, anyway. if, you're, if you're Zoha to have a Rebbe, if you're Zoha to have a Rebbe, if Allah, Rav Chaim Vital discovering the Ari or something like that, uh, so then that's taken care of for you. You can go to from first to last principles and even though the relationship might be brief but you know there's there's beyond time in terms of these type of relationships the the, the things that that you are able to get from that rebbe during that that period i mean again i don't know how long they were together i think it might have been less than two years i think two years i believe you know two years yeah certainly not longer than that and i know it It was long enough to make it quite a big revolution in in Chaim vital's life obviously and and, prior prior to that he was learning according to the according to the ramak um, and um then he flipped over and and also you you know there are other examples of very short relationships that seem to have made a tremendous impression uh, the Magad Mizrich Umoshal and the Valshemtiv um, was also one that was brief mm-hmm. towards the end of Valshemtiv's life, um, and and of course in both of these situations, whether it's Reb Chaim Vital or the Magad, who, you know, claiming the mantle as the prime Talmud of the great teacher, whether it's Reb Yitzchak Luria or Reb Yisrael Valshemtiv. There arose historically afterwards people who wondered if these men were really the prime Talmudim, um, because of the the short amount of time they spent there. Uh, I can tell you about in the Balshemtov's case, uh, an, uh, you know, the Toldus the Toldus was not happy with the I, the fact this the sense that the the mantle of the Balshem was being passed in some way to the Magid. You know, he had he had had a longer relationship with him um mm-hmm. uh, so and and i think 
you know, to, uh, without deciding who's right or who's wrong, I think what we see is that when you find your Rebbe, there are enough tremendous principles you can get even in a short time that can last a lifetime for you. I, I, I think the, what, what, what is sometimes difficult for nascent Kabbalists or people who want to know about Chokmas HaSoyed or people who just want to learn Chokmas HaNister is that what both of us are saying is it's not as much fun, but you should probably stay within one approach if that's where you're, 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 you're right? Uh, and, and that's not always easy to do because sometimes the approach that you're in doesn't have answers that satisfy you. You've talked in the past about the derech of the Sephardim, Lamashal, mm-hmm. and, you, and, and you talked about how in, in some ways they're different in their, an, and, and their analytic approach and what they expect from um, their Talmidim. Um, and, and how that, it, it's, it's, it's not just subtly different. It's very, very different than, let's say, uh, students. It's extremely different. Yeah. There's, a, there's an apocryphal story, by the way. I, don't, I, I guess it's true. I mean, the, the, Baal, the Baal of Meister wrote about it in a blog where he said that when he, you know, he learned in, um, in Rav Kaduri's yeshiva. And um, he came from a Chabad background. And um, and he had his uh, chitas there, you know. So chitas, in case anybody doesn't know, is a is a three books in one: chumish, uh, tanya, and tehillim, or actually chumish, tehillim, and tanya. And you're supposed to have say over a, you know a little bit of shteimikrevechotargum, a couple of kibitlach tehillim, and a shtickle shtickle tanya, and you're supposed to do that every day. And that's part of a a, a particular seder that uh, that chabad nikim have, you know. So supposedly, um, Rav Kaduri got a look at the chitas, and he said, "Well, you know, there's some things there that we don't hold of. So if you give it to me, I'll I'll try to pull out the parts that we don't accept." Uh, and, and a week later, he gets the chitas back, just no tanya in it. <laughs> okay, so so yeah, that that kind of that kind of thing actually happens. People don't appreciate the diversity of the kinds of opinions that there are in there and therefore they have a tendency to get themselves all mixed up uh when they try to answer you know when they when they notice that there are contradictions that you know that they can't make sense out of and then they simply assume that well we have to resolve the contradiction somehow like you know how can the Ramchal possibly be so terrible which is a story that happened to me actually um didn't happen i i remember when i was a young fellow um i guess i was 17 and I approached Rav Mordechai Gifter, who, uh, who was a very deep Balmachshava. And some of the shiurim he was giving here in er- there in Eretz Yisrael. Um, and he had said over Yisod, and in Tells they call these uh, Shmuzim or Machshava shiurim, Shiure Das. That's what they call them, Shiure Das. So I went to hear one of his Shiure Das on the Moitzoy Shabbos. And I remember going to him afterwards and mentioning how this contradicts Ratzodik, you know, this contradicts, you know, Yusodis from Ratzodik Amublin, who I had been learning his farm uh, quite a bit uh, before that. And, uh, you know, and I remember how he tried to uh, sort of, of, you know, wave away the contradictions and how they could both be true. But, But I think sometimes we really need to say that you, you are going to find contradictions. You are going to find 
that this is a rejection of a certain approach. And if you want to stop feeling that uh, the sense of, of, of unease that I don't really know because this one said this, this one said that, stop looking around as much and really, yeah. and really you know, focus on those, that school. Now, it's not always easy to know what that school is. But if, you, if you're not really part of a group, Chabad, you mentioned them before, we know where their school is, right? We know what sort of blinders they have. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, the, well, the, they have their publication company, you know, Kahat. So it's got a Kahat plumba on it, you know exactly what it is. And, and even, uh, even brilliant young men and older men, in a way, the glasses that they wear were all ground by the Chabad Rebbeim, and specifically the, the, the last one. It's like that's their starting point. Mm-hmm. And really other things are, are, are peripheral. And if they're not mentioned by the Rebbes, they, they're, not, they're not included in, in, in the Mahalach. In fact, there's a way that Chabad has of uh, dismissing from other chassidus, and you know, they, they refer to them as the Chagas chassidim. In other words, they're all Baal Talmidim, but they come from yeah. a brand that's called oh. Chagas. Chesed Gvurat Feris. We are the Chabad Chasidim. You are the Chagat Chasidim. You know, the, right. the Polisher Chabad Chagat Chasidim. I think it was somewhere probably down in Ungar, and you know, you have the the Nebuch, the Nahi Chasidim, you know. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe somewhere you have the, you know, the Malchus, the Malchus, the Asiya Chasidim. Which is actually a Kabbalistic sort of answer that sometimes a truth on one level of perception and existence is, is actually untrue in another one, right? And depending on where you're at, and this sort of, uh, you know, this sort of ability to, to juggle and have the double truth and recognize things is sort of a hallmark of a lot of Hasidic uh, thought. And, but I think for a student, for a, a... yeah, you know, Kabbalah, like anything else in Yiddishkeit, is a diversity of schools. And sometimes there's arguments, and sometimes there's very, you know, very, um, very strenuous need to to differentiate between one one derech and another. And they don't always they don't always add up to the same thing. So I don't I don't like to tell people. You know, just learn this and don't learn that. I think you know it's always. I don't. I don't mind. I mean, I, I never. I never necessarily sat with only one. You know, with only one derech for any for any length of time. But even if you know the principle that nothing has to necessarily agree with something else, so then you know when you encounter something and then you encounter something else, you know, okay, hey, so you know, maybe they're not. Maybe they're not on the same sheet of music. So you can. So you know, you can you can let the contradictions rest for a while it is good to have i think a a derech that you're going to be mostly committed to like in my in my case there was never any question that that the derech of the Baal Shem Tov and, and, and Hasidim was was the derech that i was that i was committed to um and you know as time as time went on it you know kamarna became much more much more central um for that um you know so it's it's good to it's good to have kind of like a a, a central 
path that you're going to go down. And if, and, you know, and if you have to, you know, get the diversification every once in a while, just to make sure that things don't get too, you know, don't get too boring. So that's fine. But just remember, not everything, you know, not everything is going to agree. And it might take you a long time to figure out where everybody is coming from. Um, I, I, and would I, would, say, I would just say uh, two approaches that we have in learning. One is a scholastic discovery approach. And the other is an intense, uh, ecstatic approach, getting you to a certain level of ruchni. Now, the two are sometimes in, in conflict with each other. Many of us, when we look, look at a sugya in Noshim and Ezekiel, so part of what our brain is, is zeroing in on is watching the patterns, seeing how the sugya can be learned, discovering that the Rishonim take opposite angles here, and following how this Rishon would go from step one, two, three to the sugya, and how this Rishon is, coming up with the nafkaminas between the two, and then you know weighing it. That would be your typical type of analytic shear that, you know, uh, Shmuel Razovsky in Ponovich was considered uh, the pinnacle of in the last generation. Now, mm-hmm. that approach can be, you can apply that to Kabbalistic ideas as well. And you can discover that, you know, that, that, that this approach, and, and you can see where the differences are, and you can understand, and that could stop you from being confused. But what it's not going to do for you is elevate you because what you want to do is sort of like just just swim with one approach because this is the approach you want to take into your tefillot. This is the approach you want to take into your hisbonanus. This is the approach that you want to have before you go to sleep at night when you're walking in the street. And, 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 and the scholastic version of that is exciting and interesting and it makes for good schmoozing with people, but it doesn't necessarily lead to the sublime. You know, you know let, let me just say one other point here. One of the areas of debate that I think I discovered very early in my life, and I was so surprised at the extent of this debate, was whether we accept the principle that the Arizal wrote about, which is, of course, the idea of Tzimtzum, the idea of how can a limited, finite world with human beings and other creatures that are finite uh, really have existence uh, when there is a ultimate, all-encompassing, complete permeating creator. Where is there room for anything when there is God, the eight itself, that there's no beginning and no end? How can there be anything that really has any existence that, that means anything? Um, and of course, the Arizal uh, developed this principle of the Tzimtzum. Now, of course, it's based on Lushonos and the Zohar and, and other places, but it was really developed by the Ari. Now, in this uh, concept of Tzimtzum, that God, in a way, contracted himself in order to allow this world to exist, that he was mitzamtzem his or that somehow he limited it in a way that within his essence there arose some sort of space that could allow being to happen, being that had a beginning and a development and an end as opposed to an all-encompassing, no-change being. And, and then he, there was the Ishtaushalus occurs. There is, of course, this major debate whether you take Tzimtzum Kipshuto or not. Um, do you take the, the idea of Tzimtzum as a fiction that allowed this dream of God to happen? 
and really, right? In other words, right? Or is Tzimtzum, oh. is, is Tzimtzum a reality? Is Tzimtzum Kipshuto, that Tzimtzum really occurred? Or is it a dream of God, so to speak, and that really nothing has changed at all? Really, the same way before the Bria, he was everything. He's everything during the Bria as well. And that really, despite the complexity of the, of the, uh, of the Kalim and the Or, it's really all Elokus the same way it was before. And part of our Avoda is to recognize that and to tap into that. Or are we supposed to say, no, Simtsum <laughs> happened. And we're not going to really be successful unless we feel entrenched in that idea. Now, this debate was a debate that the, the Balatanya, who we mentioned Chabad before, said was the line of separation between the students, well, the Vilna Gon and his students who were fighting Chassidim and the Chassidim. The Chassidim understood Simtsum was only low Kipshuto. It, it's it's a re, it's true, but it's not really true, and the chassidim were therefore being able to to find the kedusha even in the greatest areas of tuma and other things like that. Whereas the goyin understood that once the barrier is set, this is the way it is. Now mm-hmm. I found later, and I'm sure you're aware of this, but I'm really just speaking out for the people who might find this interesting that this machlokas, which I'm not sure if. You know how solid the Valatanya's interpretation was in terms of the Vilna Gon was definitely on the books in, in the Sephardic world between Rabbi Yosef Irgas, uh, known as the Shemer Amunim Akadbon, and the Mishnas Chasodim and the other Mekubalim, Rabbi Nuel Chayriki and Rabbi Yosef Irgas uh, debate had had a very uh, I don't know if, what you would call the level of intensity of the debates, but very strong machlokas about this question. Right. And, and, and it's, 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 it's such a fascinating idea that, that they were debating this because it's so fundamental. Do we exist? Is God everything? Do we really have a separate existence? But here's my point that I want you to expound on. If you're part of the Ricky school, you stay in the Ricky school. You know what I'm saying? If you're part of Ricky and his voluminous uh, material that he that he wrote in this area, I think there's three or four svarim yisodistik of Sifri Kaboa based on right, and it could be the Eimek Amelach. I'm not sure. Somehow connected in there as well. Um, so you stick with that, and if this is what you're committed to, yeah. So even though according to Rav Irgas and everyone else. You're missing the boat, baby. You know, you really think symptoms happen. You really think that you are really there's really this distance between you and God. But once you're on that mahalach, that is a mahalach of of, of truth. Ricky's mahalach could be true, and so could Ravirgas. Anyway, what, what's your response? Yeah. Issue of the meaning of tzimtzum is is more complex even than than what you're setting forth. I mean, you have the argument of tzimtzum kipshutai or tzimtzum like kipshutai, which which basically um, to use to use the way that I kind of comprehend it, if you're saying that tzimtzum like kipshutai, then you're thinking of tzimtzum as kind of the emergence of different states of consciousness that are relative to um, you know that are relative to certain points of view, and that the symptom never displaces anything. Okay, 
you know, and the and the the proper the proper mashal to this would be imagine, you know, imagine a person having a dream, you know, or or better yet, imagine a person imagining a story. Okay, so could the could the individuals in the imagined story be real from their own point of view, while they're completely unreal from my point of view as the as the thinker of the of the story? And what would have to happen? So there'd have to be some kind of symptom, some kind of you know, some sort of, um, um, yeah, extraction, so to speak, from my point of view of the absolute truth, so that the so that the contingent truth can can uh, emerge, but never really does is Hashem actually ever gone anywhere. Now, does that really answer the question of how can something be, you know, completely alikus and and uh, and a, a separate and distinct being? You're not really answering the question. You're simply you're simply setting up a kind of a, a kind of a um, relativistic perspective on on what that is. I, you know, and this is something that I intend to go back to as we talk. Is this you know Rabbi Nachman's um, famous shtickle tire? I believe it's it's Samach Bey's by El Paroy, where he where he makes the the claim that all of the really in um, unsolvable paradoxes reside in the tzimtzum, whereas kinds of heresy that you can actually deal with and that you can that you can answer to, okay, those come from shvira sakela. Right. So there's the you know so the but the really the really important things like like you know where is Hakadosh Baruch Hu, you know how can I exist and how can he exist and you know all that the really really important and very very deep paradoxes those are those are unresolvable except by ex- just you know the only thing that you can do is you can accept the paradox of the symptom and he says that at a, at a certain level if you if you if you do this if you start by accepting it eventually it begins to make a certain amount of sense okay because there really are lots of relativistic you know, you know, lots of relativistic realities that 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 happen in the world. I mean, you can look at a shape, and it looks to me like this, and it looks to you like that, and what the shape really is, who knows? You know, and um, so therefore, you know, therefore, Rabbi Nachman says that there, you know, there there are paradoxes that are paradoxes, all right, but but once you get used to them, you realize that they're actually actually very simple. You know, there's essentially no problem. It all makes in a in a paradoxical way perfect sense. Okay, um, the Alternative, you know, the alternative to symptom shalaykipshuta. This is I'm going to explain symptom shalaykipshuta. It's it, symptom isn't really an event that happened. It's it's a it's a a point of view that emerged, okay. And it, that point of view is real only from per- certain perspective, which is the perspective of the creation or the or, or our perspective. The alternative to that is to say symptom kipshuta. God opened up a space. And therefore, the universe has a space to exist, and and so this takes you back very much to a Rambam position. You know, there's a Bayre, there's a Nivra. A Bayre and Nivra are not the same thing. Okay, they're not commensurate to each other, and they're not the they're not the same as each other. And there is always like an infinite gap between the creator and the created. So this is this goes right back to your rationalistic concept of of creation as being the emergence of being from nothingness and the nothingness here is not the nothingness of God. It's real nothingness. Right? So people who take the, you know, Tzimtzum Kipshutoi really end up back to kind of a, kind of a Rambam position in a way. 
This thing have to they have to deal with with what happens next. I mean, what is this light line of light that comes into the that comes into the halal? You know. So then you're going to say, well, the line of light that comes into the halal that comes into the empty space is is hashgacha. Okay, which by the way, hashgacha never really implies presence. It's not 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 philosophically. The Rambam believed that there was some kind of hashgacha, if it's kolos or pratis, whatever. But the Rambam believed in hashgacha, that God cares for or the universe, okay? But this caring doesn't imply relatedness in, the, in any way that we would understand. It, it, it's something that is real across infinity, across any infinite, across any infinite gulf, because he's, you know, because his power is, is, is infinite, and therefore his influence is everywhere, even if he's nowhere. It's, okay? it's, not, it's not God being imminent and no. permeating. It's God being in total control. In, in control, right. And, okay. and as a total control and knower of the thing he created, as the, as the Raman would say, that would give him mastery over everything because his knowledge right. as the creator. But, uh, you know, but, but, I, but, but okay, you know, but, but I'm, I would say, the idea of Simtum Shaloi Kipshutai comes in. What I think is the Ramchal's version of Tzimtzum Shalai Kipshutai. Because you know, the Ramchal has this idea that everything is a metaphor. All of Kabbalah is a metaphor. Right? And the, so, the, so, so, the Kabbalah, so the Ramchal wants to maintain, I think, the distinction between Bairi and, Bairi and Nivra. Right? And therefore, for him, Kabbalah is some kind of prophetic vision of a archetype for how the Hanhoga is going to operate in the world, you know, across history. Okay, so therefore, when the Ramchal thinks about Simpson, he's not thinking about Simpson that happens in Hakadosh Baruch Hu in any way at all. Okay, he's thinking he's thinking about something that happens in a prophetic vision that's meant to explain something to you. And what the Simpson is there to explain is, hey, guess what? The Hashgacha is going to allow for a universe to be not reflective of God's perfection. The, rel- the, the universe is going to be less perfect than a Kaddish Baruch Hu, not even less perfect than a Kaddish Baruch Hu because it's got to be less perfect because it's created. It's going to be less perfect than even it could have been as a created being because the whole point of having creation is to allow creatures to actually be able to perfect themselves so they can get their schar, so they don't have to suffer from, oh, the shame of, the bread of shame, I really would, I used to think that was pretty funny. Now, sorry, let's give me some bread of shame. I'll take, I'll take it. And these guys, they don't want to, they don't want to take the bread of shame. They're too embarrassed. Oh, God, you know, please, please, please give me. I'll take some bread of shame. Here. You know, <laughs> such a. I think I don't know. I never thought of myself as as being. Yeah. You know, you want to be nice to me, be nice to me. Yeah, I think I could live with Nama de Chisufa. But then, on the other hand, you know, I've never tried it. Okay, so maybe it really is as horrible <laughs> as the Ramchal. No, but when I think about it, you know, I, I said, I, you know, I could be okay with Namadechisufa. Just be close to me. Just, you know, just love me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm going to push back a little bit on Ramachal because I think that, that pretty explicitly that that you know the Kabbalah is the, is, is something along the lines of a of a prophetic vision. Okay, and you have to understand what the vision means. You know, the, the vision isn't the vision isn't anything. I mean, that's that's kind of something that people don't get when they when they when they think of let's say a, a more Maimonidean approach to to what a prophetic vision is, 
And there, there are approaches here too. You know, you have a more, let's say, Rambanist approach to a prophetic vision, which is the Navi sees something, but that's well, the, the something that he sees is incommensurate, incommensurate to his own experience. So his Dimayon gives it a certain, a certain, uh, as it were, imaginary body to appear in. You know, so when Avram sees Malachim, I mean, you know, he really sees Malachim. Uh, that 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 kind of imaginary body can actually be perceived in a physical way on a, on a certain level. But even even Yecheskel is seeing Chayis and and Oifanim. He's looking at something. He's seeing something that's real. It's just not real the way that he sees it. You know, Masha'en Kain. If you're if you're a Rambamist, there's no you know, the malachim are not anything like what he sees. The malachim are not even visible. The malachim, it's, it's a mashal, it's a, it's a metaphor. You know, those malachim are like force of gravity. So why do they have wings? Because they, because they fly everywhere. They're, they're, they're everywhere at once. You know, their, their influence is, is, uh, is unlimited. Okay. And v'chule, v'chule. So everything, you know, everything has to be grasped metaphorically, but, you know, as far as the Rambam was concerned, the, the malachim in, in the Yechezkel's vision are actually spheres. They're celestial spheres with, uh, with uh, some sort of intellect that, uh, that has some sort of correlation with them. Okay. Now, you know, and, and let's talk a little bit about um, yes. the idea of, of somebody, as you say, uh, operating with symptom and you know, I just use that as 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 the class as the, the most stark example of a nafkamina. Yeah, it is the stark. It is the starkest example. Really. So right, and and part of the way, the way I understand it is that there are times where you need to sort of um, allow the illusion to fade and realize what you are somehow plugged into. And Chabad, of course, does this consistently. Um, always talking about the the ratio of the lowest yod, they're talking about the highest level of the neshama that you can tap into, uh, recognizing how everything is 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 really just the dimyon, um, and I think from and you have to know when you when you tap into that and when you don't. I think if you're if you're from the Amnul Chayriki group and the Mishnah's Chasodim and his his approach. That that's considered mimcha, right? That's considered the, that's considered a place not to go. And you, you talk mm-hmm. about the machlokas between you know the Rambam and and the Mekubalim. Really, this goes back to Chazal itself, right? Where you find the Gemaras that speak about how you know the Arba Shnechnasulapardes, right? This right. is really and, and part of what the the, the, the group that holds of Tzimtzum Kipshutai feels that it's not that they can't understand the sikhas, what the others are saying. They just feel that that is, is, is dangerous. And that really mm-hmm. causes a dissolution within no, the person. In, in, the, in the case, let's say, of Reb Chaim Vilozhin, if I, if I recall correctly, he, he says that, uh, you know, if the, if you, if you go with the, with the Chabad track on this, so you end up making, make, making brachas in the bathroom. Right. Okay, because everything is everything is a kaddish baruch Everything is one. So you know, so I'll sit on the toilet and 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 make brachas and daven. What difference does it make? If the emes is the emes is that God is here, God is there, God is everywhere, and um, you know, obviously the Balatani never never intended that, and he you know would never. Balatani was very strongly committed to, to keeping all the halachic uh, principles, as you know. the The question is okay, so then. You know, how do you understand the the interrelationship with like this absolute oneness, which which would, if you let it into your life, completely obviate 
any kind of halacha and the and the actual facts of life that we live with. So part of that is is always recognizing the facts of your life. Okay, I mean, so you know, maybe for, so maybe from a Kaddish Baruch's point of view, a stinky bathroom is is you know Gan Eden, okay, but uh, for me, uh, you know, for me, my ability to unlock the key to that Gan Eden has to do with not thinking Torah in it, if you understand what I mean. It's like, you know, like all of reality, since it's all HaKadosh Baruch in one way or another, has various keys that I can use to unlock it. There are positive keys and there are negative keys. Sometimes the positive key is to embrace it and to, and to, and to attribute Kedusha to it directly. Okay. But then on the other hand, bathrooms, okay, fecal matter, all that dimension of life is not something that I can directly embrace and and see the holiness in it. The only thing that I can do is, you know, is fulfill the halacha that says I'm not allowed to embrace holiness there. Okay. And by the way, there's a very good reason for that because because embracing that as holiness also means embracing my non-existence, which is the one thing that we're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to negate our reality in order to uncover the the you know the big truth okay we're supposed to continue to persist in our reality and use that as a vehicle for for transcendence but something that you know if i if i go down you know into chaos then that's basically just escaping from life and 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 it isn't even bittle okay it's just it's bilam all right and that's something that um I think they even, you know, it could even be more than just, um, you know, uh, escape. One could say that they are so bound with this perception that they are of the same essence of God, and that's the ultimate existence that they have, and they are really on a higher plane. Uh, and you could see how they could be dismissive of a person who doesn't go there. And I, if, if we talk about the the let's say, you know the Ricky people, the people from Amnuchai Ricky, they would say, look, uh, we don't deny that God is, is 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 infinite, but by your trying to connect yourself there, you're missing a lot of the detailed avoda that the Ari and others have described for us in various mitzvahs, because you're always jumping to this beyond, you're always jumping to this ain't self. You're jumping, and you're not really concentrating on the the, the lower spheros. You're not concentrating on this tikkun, and because of that, you know it's, it's the, your 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 attention and your energies are being sapped by always wanting to grab up something from above or beyond or through. And I think what it, they could make the case that the quality of your mitzvos are suffering. Yes, on one hand, you can say, look at the ecstasy I'm feeling. But what you're doing is wiping away a lot of the mahalach. You're wiping away a lot of the, of the progress, of the process. And uh, therefore, not no, it's so, I guess I'm saying, it's so tantalizing and so infectious to, to make everything this elokus that as much as you try to commit yourself to to say, look, I know that's there, but I'm going to do my best job within these gavulim. M- many people can't resist that. The the idea that you are eternal, that you are boundless, the idea that what 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 is coming through you is really greater than any concept that 
anybody could ever think of. It's too alluring. And that's why I think, you know, there's this uh, a condemnation almost of the other school. So, you know, I, I think that I understand. And, uh, and, 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 and the truth is, but if you find yourself within one of these schools, this is really getting back to our original point, you could probably feel good and say, I'm not finished. It's not like, oh, well, after May of Estrin, I'm going to discover that my life was wasted. I mean, that, that's part of, of course, what Christianity, uh, Catholics and others, you know, will throw at us. They'll say, look, there's a lot of truths in the Abrahamic faith, et cetera, but all of you are basically doomed to, um, I, I don't know if it's purgatory or definitely you will not have eternal life because you didn't make this choice and because you didn't uh, accept. No, actually, we're, you know, Sadiqim amongst us would be doomed to the, to the better, you know, the better neighborhoods of hell. No purgatory. Uh, and better. Right, but from a, from a Christian perspective, uh, and that's part of the reason why they are so um, adamant in their missionary Intent activity. Intent on saving our... Yeah, in their missionary yes. activity, because they really believe that this wrongheadedness is going to doom us and that, that, that we will not have anything. I, I think from where we're coming from, we could have as, as, as strong of a debate intellectually with the, let's say, between the um, this different factions about how to take Simpson mm-hmm. and still say that both factions are going to get the same essential Ganeiden and the same Schar, right? Or not? Yeah. I mean... Look, absolutely. Other, I mean, other, otherwise, otherwise, Torah doesn't work. No, because no, Torah doesn't. Torah gives you mitzvahs. Torah doesn't give you, you know, true or false philosophical beliefs. It, it never, it never really goes down that way. The philosophical beliefs are things that we kind of need because we have to, um, you know, we have to explain to ourselves what the process is that we're that we're undergoing. And I guess to some extent, maybe uh, there are people who don't have to explain the process to themselves. All they have to do is do it, and they don't—they don't really care. But you know, I know for somebody like me, I don't know what this experience that we have as as you know walking the path and the way that it makes sense to us is is more important for us to have a concept of where we're going and to and to and to actually be responsible for that um, as a as opposed that it is necessary for a Kaddish Baruch Hu to give us, you know, to, to, to give us Chayu El Habo, you know, a Kaddish Baruch Hu can figure out how to do it. And that's, that's one thing that I also have told to, to people who suddenly feel shocked about the amount of diversity in, in terms of Emunis Videis that there is, that there is in Yiddishkeit. Okay. The reason why there's this diversity is, I mean, I'll tell you what, one thing that I don't agree with is people who try to figure out how to resolve everything. You know, you want to resolve, you know, oh, well, I'm going to figure out a way to be miyashev, uh, the, the I think it's a waste of time. Unless you just want to take throw it in a pot and put it in a fire and eat it Shabbos morning for chulat, you know, but that's, you know, the, the, the glory of it is in the distinction and the fact that you have to make a choice. Because this is what your, you know, this is what your neshama needs. You know, make a choice, walk whichever path you feel you need to, but don't think that this limits a kaddish baruch in terms of, you know, in terms of this is the only way that he can give you, you know, give you elam haba. This is the only way that it can possibly work, because there, that's that's the place where hakaddish baruch is going to be greater. Say someone 
who was learning the Kabbalah Sagra, or the which is I, people believe it was uh, developed uh, by Rabbi Yitzchak the Pischei Shorim, and the author of many many Biurei Agra on, on the on all the Safed Snus and other things like that. Okay, so you have the Safed Snus and the other. Oh, he was the creator of that. Uh, Rabbi Yoshev's grandfather, who was the Balaleshem. So that is considered like the, the derech of the Goyen in Kabbalah. Uh, and it's clearly uh, very different than the Balatanya thought the derech agro was. But let's say someone is learning that. And I have friends that are actually, uh, that was their entrance way because they are Litvish, because they were, um, they were either Talmidim or Abelia Weintraub and others. That was their entrance into the Kabbalistic world. Now that they're finding it's not doing it for them, let's say, or something. And, and okay, now I want to jump ship, so to speak, you know. So w- what I would say from my from the little, you know, I know, that you can't just jump ship. What you need to do is actually reverse. If, it, it, first of all, I, I, we would advise against jumping ship. Even if you're now 40, 50, 55, and you're finding you've been doing this for 20 years, you'd like to try something else, a different approach. Um, it, it, it might be not necessarily advisable. Okay. Despite what you're feeling, despite that sort of glumness that you're having, I, I need to find something more. The other thing is, even if you're going to say, I can't, I need to find a new approach. What you probably need to do is back up and start back again at first principles. It's hard for someone to do that at an older age, right? It's hard for mm-hmm. someone who um, who's already, uh, like, for example, let's say, let's take a Moshe. person decides that he's going to find a new approach to learning Gemara, okay? He's been learning Gemara in a certain way. Now, it's going to be very hard for that person if he's gone through Shas and he's learned a certain way. And now there's like, a, someone's going to teach him a new approach of how to do it, to go back to the Aleph base, right? Because they're so mm-hmm. well versed in making a laning and putting this stuff together, that that it, it's going to be hard for them to realize that this new approach is different from from the get go. So what you really yeah. need to do if you're going to jump into a different approach in Kabbalah or whatever it is, you're going to have to really you're going to have to go into reverse and start again. That's a very hard thing to expect someone mm-hmm. in their middle age or older to try to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to like switch frames myself as being a particularly bright person or, or anything like that. Although I've gotten better over the years. But the, the point that I'm trying to make is that even in transitioning between a Rashi lane in a Gemara and trying to read a Rajba, I still can't quite wrap my mind around people who find that as being easy. Because for me, Rajba is a different universe. You know, and and even and even let's say within the Spanish school, you know, Ritva is, is a different universe than Rajba, and and the the once again, there's fundamental assumptions that seem to be different, and and I cannot comprehend what you are saying until I comprehend what your basic assumptions are. So like, so even for me today, it's hard to it's hard to shift those gears. It's hard to you know reestablish first principles, even in something as trivial as not trivial Hasvashalom, but you know what I mean as commonplace as, as, as making a lane is using Rashi and then, and then trying to figure out, you know, figuring out a Ritva. It's not easy for me. Mamish not. 
you know, and I, I spend a lot more time doing things like that than, than, uh, than I'm done and ordinarily do. Um, you know, so lately I've begun to have a little bit of, a little bit of, uh, you know, positive feedback on that, that, you know, Hey, what, guess what, you know, yeah, I'm really onto something really, really to fundamentally understand this route, but you have to rewrite the first assumptions and that's always hard work. You know, it's not just as easy as saying, okay, well, you know, this is the sheeta, this is that sheeta. No, it doesn't work that way. I'm um, not really. And especially, I think, um, when you're dealing with things that are as... And as about, when you're dealing with things in Kabbalah, your mom is, okay, you know, you really have to, you really have to struggle to, to, so, even, to even to understand what somebody else is saying, because the words don't ring. You know, so, you, have, you have this, you read this, you learn it, and the words sing, they ring, they, they're, they cohere. You move over there, and you have some sort of feeling of disorientation. You know, like what's like what's going? What is he saying? And and it takes so, so, time. So, 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 yeah. so I believe, and I want to just sum up over here. I think that when when people are gripped by the sense of, uh, I guess, a sense of boredom, maybe with this approach, an idea that oh, I need something else. I've been doing this way for so long. I want to try something else. Um, I think that. You know, there are people that have, have the courage to to wipe the blackboard clean and start again from from, from the beginning. But I think what, what what I would offer as a metaphor is it's almost like you know people uh, spend their a good amount of their uh, beginning of their adulthood uh, denying or moving away from the conceptions people had of them when they were a child, whether it means moving away from the place where their parents raised them, creating new friends from then the ones that they were forced to be part of uh, in grade school. And what they can discover as things seem to be empty in their middle age as they approach it, with their new life, the life that they built, the life that they were after, when they realize what they were trying to accomplish, they didn't achieve. And they keep running into glass ceilings everywhere. I think they could find comfort and a lot of power from those past principles that and, and, and relationships they had when they were young. Those friends that they had, the city where they grew up in. Uh, and, and they could rediscover it with, with older eyes in a way that gives them not just comfort of nostalgia, but also strength of bonds. I know I've, and, and, I, and I'm using this as a metaphor for, you know, don't throw away that approach that was what you started your pathway into mystical thinking. Just because, you know, you, well, I've outgrown this. It doesn't, it bores me. I want to do, I want to do clock now. I want to do uh, Leshem. I want to, I want to see the Benishchai's Sifrei Nisod. I, I think that if, if, if what you're after is rising yourself, and I think maybe you can go back again and, and rediscover, rediscover things, and, and, and even if it, and, 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 and sort of relish that. And I think that's, uh, I hope I'm making myself clear about that. Yeah, I, I, I think so. that I, I think we 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 all find that what 
we, we like to say that we're always on this growth arc from where we began. And we're, 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 we're light years beyond what forged us. And we are this, we are this comet-like being that is going into these new areas way beyond. And I think that, that more often than not, especially as we approach the last parts of our lives, I think we, we go back to discover how important those initial experiences were, those friendships, those connections, those things that we learned there. And yeah. I, I think we so can... The, the, the texts that gave us our, our you know, first trampoline jump, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I can, I, can, I can say that, like, Sefer Atanya is a, is a book which I have learned probably about five times at different times in my life, you know. Every time, every time it's different. Um, and Rabbi Nachman is Rabbi Nachman is is uh, is much the same. And you know, every time you go back to Rabbi Nachman, it's 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 different. It's new. And and you know, for somebody who is is growing up in a Gra tradition or a Ramchal tradition, you know, revisit the places where you began. You you will you will see them in a much different light. And that's I think um, very you'll see how strong you'll see how strong those yeah, will reignite your reignite your commitment to it when you you know when you grasp it on a more on a more mature level one other thing that i have to add however is that is that there's also another another issue that very often when you when you you know go into a particular school of thought particularly in in soid there's a desire to block off the sources in other words you know like this I, I found for the first time when I was, you know, in Yeshiva Tzionit, you know, and I was learning Rav Cook with with people, and and they said, no, no, we learn up until Rav Cook. Previous to Rav Cook, we don't go. Why? Because whatever we want to get, Rav Cook already said it to us. Okay, this was actually against Rav Cook's own advice, by the way. But you know, my point is, is that no, you know, when you learn when you learn Rav Cook, you have to go back to his sources. I mean, if if you if you're going to get to a point where you want to, as you say, bump into a, you know, transcend the glass ceiling. Well, doing that means going to the sources. So you learn Gra, but Gra, one way or the other, whether Gra necessarily agreed with the Ari or he didn't agree with the Ari, but he was certainly influenced by the Ari. So learn Kisve Ha'ari. You know, and, and when you're learning Kisve Ha'ari, remember, Ari is just a commentary to the Zyra Kudish. So go back to the Zyra Kudish. And this expands your universe. Okay. So in addition to revisiting, you know, the, the places where you started, which actually is is, is incredibly good piece of advice i would say also stretch your wings and go to the sources upon which your particular school of thought is based because that's what they were learning if you want if you want to understand the derech of the girl learn what the girl learned but try to learn it through his through his eyes okay and you'll you'll you know you'll see what he saw you'll see what he saw the way that he saw it so that already gives you a whole different uh uh, perspective on right. things. So, yeah. and 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 yeah. let's let's throw in that you have the schluss of those great teachers helping you because yeah. obviously you are adding to their ganeda, mm-hmm. right? By, no, they're not going to they're not going to let a, a faithful Talmud go astray when they're when they're trying to follow their footsteps. So there is That's that right. sort of ex, extra little hashba you have from being true towards uh, your original influence of the original band. Well, that's about it, my friends. Uh, we hope no, that uh, this discussion has, in a way, uh, helped those that are on these paths. And uh, hopefully, uh, if, if what we discuss between ourselves can in some way be a, uh, a trampoline, a jumping board, a inspiration, boy, well, 
<laughs> then it's then it's definitely been worth it on our end. Though. Take care, Nelson. Check you out uh, soon. You will. Bye bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.